You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. We want to welcome everyone to the latest edition of the Superhero Education Podcast. I am Eugene, and we have Steve right there. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great, Eugene. Hey, it's, it's a pleasure to talk with you, and um, this this episode, all of our all of the topics that we talk about are serious and important. And but this is a really, really, really serious one, and at times it can be tough to talk about. And it's in a lot of emotions involved, but we want to we want to cover cover some things and connect it to education, the education world that we live in, um, with the um, infor- unfortunate death of of George Floyd, and 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 Steve, um, just want to give the listeners an update um, as as of this taping, the other three officers who were um, involved in, in the situation with George's death. Um, today, they have all today been, uh, what's the word, uh, arrested. And so just to give you a timeline of where we are, like literally where we are today, those other three were arrested. So we were planned on basing that conversation on not knowing of, of just the one arrest, but now that that shifts our conversations a tad bit um, with the other three. And Steve, this is something we've talked about a lot um, offline. And uh, ooh, it's a tough one to talk about today. I, I the three officers were charged with aiding and abetting in a murder. I'm not sure. I'm not. A, we're not legal experts. I'm not sure if that's strong enough. It doesn't sound strong enough. Right. Right. Um, you know, my, my first hope is that this potentially, now that you have all four in the system, not knowing if they'll be guilty or if they are guilty, hopefully just the steps today lowers the, lowers the heartbeat a little bit of America, just, just slows it down a little bit. And who knows? But but just for me personally, although no judgment has been placed, I do feel a little bit better today. The last week has been tough with emotions, but today I feel a little bit better. And that doesn't say they'll be guilty, they won't, or be guilty or not guilty. I just feel a little bit better today about it. I, I think that's true. I think you want to see with the, with the protest and the unity that we're seeing across the world, not even our country, but across the world, I think it is important to see some steps of progress. And that's, that is a step of progress in the needed many steps of progress. All right. So let's just hop into, let's just hop into this. So, so some of this is hard to talk about. And um, so I'll just start here. We've had a conversation offline about why the George Floyd case 
stands out versus other situations resulting in the death of like with law enforcement with a of of a black female or black male and as you can see around the world as you said Steve people are gathering in in protests all across the world every state in America and so the question is what was different about I know we see this differently but what was different about this specific case versus others because I think this is I think it's an interesting phenomenon just to watch unfold I have I I feel strongly that we've seen for the first time and maybe it's not the first time but I think it is the first time I think we saw the murder in HD high high resolution great camera phone you didn't have to squint to see what was happening in the background you didn't have to strain to see it you saw murder right in front of your eyes in high definition and i think that was the difference we know it was around for we know that it's been around forever we know that in the 1600s you're bringing uh, Africans over in chains and, and it hasn't stopped since. We know it, it's subtle and not so subtle. We know about the shootings, but this, the difference maker in this, why people across the world and everybody it ignites their passion and people are saying it has to stop is because we saw it so up close. And to see that murder, that, that was a game changer for many, for many people, I believe. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting to me because from my viewpoint, from my, from, my, from my viewpoint, to me, all of them are like that. And so it's interesting that a lot of people feel the way you feel, Steve, and I'm glad they feel that way because, like, okay, this is, what, this is what Eugene has been saying or this is what someone else has been saying or things that you know. This is what Steve's been saying. But it's interesting, like it's fascinating to me that this is caught on around the world when you had uh, a week ago, or, or, six, or maybe a week before this, or nine days before this, we were in uproar over uh, the case in Georgia, and it, it was bad. But it didn't connect with people the way this did, and and. And I think here's, here's the reason why. I, I believe the reason why is because people have always, always been able to put doubt in and mistrust. And, and there's so much bias in, in people, right? So you go, all right, this happened. Now I have to give the other side of the narrative with question marks. Well, this person was robbing from homes. This person was trespassing. This person had a criminal history. This person, none of that could be, could, it all could be false, right? But you just plant those seeds in and then people have to make a decision. Oh, well, well, if he was breaking in on my property, if he was doing this, it could be a totally false narrative, but you raised enough doubt. So was the person trespassing? Was there robberies in the neighborhood? Did the person miss identity? So in all these cases, 
you put enough doubt in, you change the whole narrative for people to go, hmm, I'm thinking about that. Maybe I, maybe I can see both sides. We talked about Trayvon Martin, right? Well, was the, uh, absolutely didn't do anything but taking a walk, but you put enough doubt in. Did he have a, was he have a, did he have a criminal history? Was he a problem in school? Was he, you know, why was he walking in that area? Why didn't he have something else? What was his, you know, his temperament? You put all this doubt in where people can question it and go, okay, um, maybe I can see both sides and it could be totally false. This, you could not reasonably come up with a different side. You can't reasonably come up with a different side to this. Uh, and right, I, I mean, that's it's, why it's, it's different. And, and another thing I've noticed in the last 48 hours is you've had multiple police departments, police, chief, police chiefs denounce the actions, which is something like for, and that's been one of my biggest criticism of law enforcement. They never say, hey, we were wrong. I think that's a powerful point. It is, if you protect every occupation, we talk about in education, we, we, we see outstanding teachers every single day. But we also don't deny that there's some, some people teaching that shouldn't be teaching. And I think that's true for every single profession. And if you're not able to say there's, there's outstanding officers that are, that are putting their lives on the line and serving people and outstanding for the community and, and wonderful people, and then there's a whole group of people that should not be in law enforcement. I mean, you have to be able to say that. And you're right, they haven't been able to say that for a long time. Right. And, and to take it a step further, I mean, I question it on one side and the other side, I don't question it. But you're seeing now, for split seconds, you're seeing some law enforcement kneel with the protesters which is something you would have never, ever seen, regardless of how right or how wrong, you would have never seen that. And so my, my brain is, my brain is wired a certain way. Like I'm looking at that a little funny, like, is this just to, to calm it down or you actually believe it? But I, it's a step, it's a step. So why do you think they're doing that? You think they're feeling the need to do that? You feel from their heart they're, they're doing that? I guess I don't, the situation is different. Like, like, so this side of me says it's a great strategy to calm tensions potentially. This side of me says you actually believe it, but I'm torn. Like, I, I'm like literally torn. I, I like, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to think that everyone's doing this genuine, genuine, they all did it on the same day. Like if you, if they were doing that straight from the beginning, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. You I, you feel bad, you, but you got to do your job. I, I get it. But a week later, now you're taking a knee. Uh, okay, I guess. Okay. Uh, but this is all across the world: Australia, France, Africa every state in America, um, most of your big cities in America. Um, I wonder what happened two weeks from now. I wonder what happens a year from now. 
Um, but it's just, it's just interesting to watch. Like we're all bearing, we're all watching history. Like all this is going to be in a history book somewhere when we're all dead and gone. Yeah, and absolutely. you wonder like how, how will this story be written? You can't continue just logistically. You can't continue to protest. There has to be some, some ending or some kind of mark of, of an ending. I, I, have, that, I have that down uh, on another sheet of paper. But let's just, let's just hop into that for just for a brief second because I want to get to your second point. Uh, what would be signs... Obviously, besides not having a death, like what would be a sign that we're like something has changed for the better? I I think I think you're looking at community versus or community by community would change on this. I think I think there's an understanding that systematically, institutionally, there's there's racism. So what in your community can we change so it's better for, for all citizens? And I think that's gonna be the question everybody has to answer. So I think it's gonna become, obviously there's gonna be some state things, some national things, some worldwide movements that people are gonna see. But I think the fundamental question for people is, I'm protesting, you're seeing protests in towns from, from 25 people to thousands of people. So let every- Brookville, Wisconsin. Brookfield, Wisconsin was yeah. on the news yesterday. Shorewood, Wisconsin has been on the news. And that's where those communities and every community is going to ask, what is changing in our community so all people are welcome? So are we changing something in the way we're policing? Are we changing something the way we're doing housing in our community? Are we changing how, things in our community that we can combat the institutional racism. And I think when people start answering that, that's gonna be the change that they're gonna look back and go, this protest and what we were doing was vital because we were able to change these things. So no longer do we have this practice or no longer do we have this policy. That's gonna be the, the, the difference. All right, so let me play devil's advocate. I really wanna to get to your second point, but this, I think we gotta just talk this one out for a minute. Devil's advocate. You and I both know individuals. It's like, oh no, this is way too far. I don't agree with this movement. I'm just movement in air quotes. Yes, it was wrong that the cop killed the guy, but it stops there. You know, I'm going to give you a famous quote. Like, you all can't see this, but I can see Steve. I'm going to give you a famous quote. This is going to be so funny. I'm looking right at you right now. Hey, Steve, we're all one blood. Come on, man. We're all like, why are you look away? Don't look at what look at me, Steve. We're all one blood. And um, hey, why can't we just all get along and operate under the system that's in place? The system is not broken. Sure. I, I think many individuals believe that. I think across across our country that uh, let's move on. It was it was one person, but there's no there's no such thing as institutional racism. There's no such thing as 
structural racism. There's no such thing as even I don't, people believe there's not even cultural racism among each other. And I How about direct quotes. See, I'm, I almost said the person's name, but I'm not doing it. Microaggressions does not exist. Correct. Correct. Cultural relevancy is a thought. Correct. And people, what the problem with that is, I, I believe there's, there's a lot of people out there and what they're doing now is they're hoping to hope beyond hope that this just passes by quickly uh, because and what they're doing is they're mixing up politics again and, and society and realisms of what's happening in America with politics. So they cannot let themselves they're look mixing around politics. society and see things. They're missing politics and religion together too. Correct, correct, correct. And then you have to ignore what you see. That's why no one can deny the brutal murdering of George Floyd. No one's going, I, I haven't heard anybody say that, that I could see some kind of area in there or misunderstanding. That's, that's brutal murder. But then it goes to your point is after that, that's when we haven't ever resolved that as America and how, how are we gonna handle the racism and the policies and the procedures that are in place. Right. All right, so Steve, your second point here. Now, this is an education show, so we want to hop back into education. And this can get tricky also. But in, the, in these times that we are in right now, what is the responsibility of the classroom teacher during this unrest? Is it A, I'm going to put my head in the sand and hopefully this blows away. Is it B, to address it, to get dialogue? And this may be tough. I mean, there may be some deep-rooted pain on all sides. Or C, do you just give the kids your personal opinion about this and try to make them have your opinion? Because this is where I see educators split. Because you and I both know there's so many educators waiting to stick their head in the sand. There's less ready to tackle. And there's a few ready just to unload their personal beliefs. And you must believe this one way on one side or the other side. We're, we're talking June right now. We're, we're in June. When teachers are in and as they're preparing now to reboot and restart, I think we are going to see numerous, numerous stories across the country on how this was mishandled in education and how it's going to upset parents and communities because teachers were not ready or did not prepare or did not follow through in a, in a proper way. I would definitely not ignore it. I don't think you can, you can have a classroom and go in and just start teaching and say, I'm, I'm just going to teach math and I'm a math teacher and I'm going to avoid all of this. And I also don't think you can shout out your personal opinion and just go, this is, this is the way I see it. And I'm sorry, that won't play out well either because what you have now is you have, not only are you teaching the students, but you're an influence for that student's parents, grandparents, community members. 
And, and that's vital. And, and they're going to be looking for their teacher and the teacher's response to educate their child. So you're sending your child to school for seven hours a day. Parents and, and grandparents and other loved ones are going to be looking and trying to listen more intently on what is your teacher saying? What are you saying? Um, how are you? How much do you know about us? How are you supporting us? Uh, besides the, the math and the social studies and the science, this is going to be crucial. And educators need to take this very seriously. And I would encourage them to prepare for this now and start educating themselves as much as they can. And I think it's, it, it was very important for them, educators, to play a role in this. Steve, I want to ask you this one. And it, it, I want to rephrase the, the, the third point. The third point was originally first steps in education. And, and I want to get there. But I think there's also a more important question. And I think you're the perfect person to ask, to answer the question. So I'm putting you on the spot here, Steve. But it's something I've heard you answer before. Throw education to the side. Steve, a white person says to you, I get it. I understand. You don't have to convince me. I'm fired up, ready to help. I'm fired up, ready to do something. But I don't know where to start. Like, what is, like, how would you help that person? Because as a, as a black guy, I get that in my inboxes all the time. I'm white. I agree. You don't have to convince me. Uh, what's next? Yeah, I, I think that's... How would you address that? I think that's being asked a lot. I mean, right now, I'm, I'm seeing that as well. We're going, I'm outraged. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I need to do something. I just don't know what to do. I think it, it, I think it's your area of influence too. I, I think it depends on what your area of influence is. Absolutely. Uh, if you're, if you're a teacher, you, you have a responsibility to be teaching this in the classroom and, and even going beyond that, figuring out how do I help in the community? How do I help the, the students, family members? What can I educate and help out with them as well? I think you got to be a force in the community as an educator. I think in any occupation, if I'm, if I'm able to serve and use my gifts to serve coffee and donuts at the local uh, Dunkin' Donuts, I have to figure out what can I do in that capacity to make sure that I'm, I'm making a difference now. Well, right. let's make sure we don't have policies that are, that are discriminating. Let's make sure our employees aren't calling 911 just because they don't feel comfortable uh, with certain customers. How do we get more people culturally competent and ready in the workplace? And I, and I think so all of that matters. I, I think every occupation has to address that and look at that. And I think there's simple things to do, right? How do you, I can be more in the community of, of where I'm working and where I'm shopping and where I'm, where I'm basically need to be to learn more about all cultures. How do I learn? I need to listen more. So listening, getting in, getting into the communities, 
I think you can always learn more about things, getting more culturally competent. Those are all things that people can do. So I think it's good people are asking the questions if they're legitimately concerned and, and, and they're being real about it. Like I'm, I'm hurt by this and I really wanna do something. If it's legitimate, I think there's several ways that you can. One of the things I tell people, one of the things I tell people, Steve, is um, I, I, to my white peers, you can get into spaces I can't get into, and you need to use your voice, your time, your resources in those spaces. And um, you can't control your family members, but you could try to enlighten. Um, I got an email, and I don't want to say the person's name, but I got an email from a person, um, uh, a student from northern Wisconsin. Like our, our walks of life are two different just walks of life. So a lot of the things from an urban perspective, she just hasn't seen, and it's no fault against hers. It's just not prevalent in her area. So she emails me um, last week and says, now I totally get what you're what you were saying. Like I see it the way you see it now, and I'm not trying to convince her. I'm just presenting. Here's one method of looking at it. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. But for mine, she says I see it now, and I told her I I'm so glad you see it. But use that light now, and take it to places I can't take it. And I and I think the important part is what you do a good job of. This is being real. We have to just be real. We have to be able to be honest. And I think society, we're, we're so used to couching our words or, or making light of it. And that's hard for people because then you don't ever have to be real. I, I remember having several conversations when I first started teaching my first year. I was 21 years old and I was making a big mistakes all the time in the classroom with, with students and, and parents and things, but I always remember what a few parents would say to me as, I've never heard someone saying it like you, you have, or to the comment of, I've never heard someone talk like you're talking, meaning I didn't know any better at the time, but I was just laying it out there. Here's the issue I'm having. I don't know if I'm trying to do these three steps. You got to help me what can I do to help your child? Because here's the three things I'm trying. I think they're not working. Is there something else we can do? I'm, I'm trying to learn up on, on this culture, whether it was in the African-American community, Latinx community, Hmong community, I'm trying to learn. And I think if we did more of that, just being honest, here's what I'm feeling right now, here's what I'm, what I'm doing, help me understand, it's really, it's really listening and trying to seek to understand instead of giving our opinion. We're so used to just coming out strong, like here's my opinion and either take it or I don't ever want to see you again. And I think if people stopped a little bit more and listened and said, I have to first seek, I got to understand what Eugene's about. I got to see what, what, what he's all about. I got to learn from him and then I can make my own opinion. I think we want the opinion first now. It's like I have to give it my, my stance and then 
if you agree, then you're my friend. If not, I don't ever want to talk to you. And I think that that's very dangerous. All right. So Steve, now back to your original, the, the third point here, educators. Let's assume we have to tackle this when we go back into the classroom and Steve has started giving us tips on that. Like you, like you got to make a conscious decision one way or the other. Are you going to tackle it? Uh, are you going to run away from it? Are you going to pour out your opinion? And my, my advice to educators is please understand how raw this is or could be for students who may not be able to verbalize it. It may show up in behavior. It may show up in, in attention seeking. But what we're in right now, there will probably be some influences and effects on, on, on students. And the one thing that you know, Steve, and I know this too, having the platform just to communicate and tell the story may be good enough for some. Like, oh, no, we can't talk about that. No, we got to do this. I got to teach this math. Got to teach geometry. Got to do this science lesson. Until some of these kids get it off their chest, that may not happen. Or not at the rate you want it to happen. So providing a platform to communicate, to, to share, to, to learn, to agree, to disagree, but having a function which you allow people to talk, maybe a starting point for me. Absolutely. And there's going to be lots of mistrust if you don't enable that to happen. Because there's going to be some of what I'd call superhero educators out there that are doing this extremely well. They're, they're listening to their students. They're, they're tapping into their knowledge. They're at, adding historical context to it. They might even come up with a project that their class can do to further do some kind of uh, restorative action. I, I think you're going to see some of those superhero educators. And then the others are going to ask parents and loved ones are going to say, what is your teacher doing in your classroom? And if it's not addressed, it's going to be a big problem. And then I think you're going to have that teacher who is going to cross the line with their personal viewpoints that are going to be misguided and that's going to be in the news because it's not going to play well in the community. So I think this is a great opportunity for educators to, to continue to have the respect of, of the profession and of the community and, and really be a leader at this time. And I, and I want to say this and, and I think I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't come off wrong on, on the air. Like, I completely get it. Like, Steve is a white educator, but Steve will go for it. I do understand why having this conversation with some white educators can be difficult. And we're not saying it's easy. It's, it's a very tough conversation, but you got to insert yourself. It, like, this may not be your thing, social justice, equality, inequity. It may not be your thing, but tag your it as the teacher. Sorry. 
and we are counting on you to facilitate something meaningful. Correct. And, and I think too, is you're, you're right. It's really that point is no one can say, you know what, uh, Eugene, th this might work, but not, it's not going to work for the, the majority, right? You can right. have Eugene come into your classroom and assist you and, and that would be fabulous. There's not enough Eugene's out there and other people that do this and people are, and you can't be in everyone's classroom every single day. You can have resources, you can have people come in and help, you can have online resources, you can have videos and other things to help you. But ultimately, like you said, that person is responsible. You as a teacher have to do it yourself and address it. There's no, there's no out in this situation. There's no, well, Eugene came in if, uh, one week and we had a great conversation and now we're done and let's go. Uh, this, this has to be some steps forward that are showing progress and every teacher, every person has to, has to deal with it and be responsible for it. And two, and we have to keep this in, in the forefront, everybody has different opinions. Like we, we won't be all lockstep with the same opinion and, and that's okay. That's part of, part, of, part of the world, but you can do it. You, you, can, you can do it. This is what in the education world, people will call courageous conversations or crucial conversations. And think about how you manage that on topics, other topics that you pull it off. It's the same process. And you know, we, we, we encourage you to do it. And if you need further assistance in that, I would recommend the book, Superhero Educator by Steve Garner and Eugene Pitchford. It, it, it walks you through many, through, through many tough scenarios to build your leadership as a teacher. Because the one thing I know about teaching and, you know, Steve could verify me, teaching is only half of it. Then there's the other half. The difficult conversations, the grading the papers, uh, time management, the drive to learn more, um, inequities in the community racial inequities, poverty inequities, uh, religious inequities, gender inequities, like those are, that's the other side of this. And it's usually, um, those are tougher conversations because they don't teach you that, that you don't have to deal with those things. So by listening, um, you're hearing it and you, and you kind of hear the call of action for yourself in, in the fall. Like you should be thinking right now, what, what am I going to do in the fall? Um, and hopefully everything dies down. But something will happen somewhere, and it doesn't have to be racially. It could be a death. Um, it could be, you know, a teacher leaving expect, unexpectedly. Like, things happen in life. So how do we have these difficult conversations? So that would be my that, – that's – I just want to make sure the listeners – that resonates with the listeners. And I think it's so powerful because I can imagine that there's going to be so many teachers out there that are going in – that are thinking about it now are going to get in fall and really have this planned out and do it extremely well. And think about that connection. Imagine that great connection with parents that maybe they didn't have before, 
uh, yeah, and maybe they struggled or maybe it wasn't just there because they were spending all the time with students and didn't think it was valuable to reach out to the parents. If you do this extremely well, the value of the parent engagement and trust will, will pay off with huge dividends and be so important. So this could be really a turning point for educators and parent engagement and the whole community if done well. Absolutely, absolutely. And that, that basically sums it up, Steve. I think we can stop right there, if you don't mind. Um, but like, we want to. All right, so we wanted to do uh, something special and very unique as we slowly close out the show. We wanted to. We were both touched by the situation. We were both hurt by the situation. But we are both courageous enough to, and not that anybody else isn't, we all are, but for the sake of this podcast show, we're both courageous enough to be inspired to do more. So hopefully there's no more of these situations popping up around the world in our community or off the strength of our reach on this podcast and the people that's in our networks networks in real life. So in honor of all that, we wanted to take an honor, the honor and the pleasure of, ded of dedicating eight minutes and 46 seconds to honor George Floyd, to honor his family, to give respects, and hopefully it inspires all of us to do a little bit more. When we come back from this eight minutes and 46 seconds, we're gonna close the show out and we're gonna see you next week.
we are back and we thank you for um taking the time with us um on our podcast to uh dedicate that space for george floyd and to dedicate that space to making this world a better place that we all live in um we want to thank you for listening um Steve, I'm going to do it like this. I just want to give a shout out to, to everyone that's trying to make the world a better place. You no, know, I, I typically talk about what we're promoting and, and, and their things of that nature. So I'm not going to do it on this one. I just want to give a shout out to everyone trying to make this world a better place. I want to give a shout out to individuals like Steve Garner, to other individuals that are tackling tough topics because we all don't have to do it. Like we do it because we, we want to do it and we want to, extend the love so more people can have this love and and, and understand and, and love what we love and um, just to, to take things further. So giving a, a shout out to everyone on the front line of cultural relevancy. That's, that's my shout out for this week. And I think I, I appreciate that, and I think we're all in. It's time for us to be all in, and that'd be my encouragement. And I like the idea of not not having any more shout-outs. We'll, we'll continue that at our next podcast and going forward. But this was a very important show for us, and, and I hope that we're all in and we see the positive change that's necessary. Yes, sir. On that note, uh, we're out. We will see you next week. Thanks again for listening to our Superhero Education Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator.